0: Has anyone ever told you that you are oversensitive or you need to grow a thicker skin? Well, it might be because you are actually an empath. So on today's episode, we're going to share 11 indicators to help you understand if you really are an empath. Welcome to
1: the Modern Life and Spirit podcast, where we explore spiritual topics relevant to today's world. Your hosts, Certified Psychic Medium, Christina Wooten, and Reiki Master Teacher, Robert Wooten, break down how to work with spirit to create more positive growth in your life. Consider this podcast your go-to spiritual resource for navigating the modern world.
0: Well, hello there, kindred spirits. I'm Robert Wooten, here with Christina Wooten with SedonaMedium.com. And we just want to take a minute to say hello to our listeners. We're so blessed to have you here, and we have a great episode for you today. And for anyone who is joining us for the first time, welcome. We hope you stick around because we have a lot of great things to talk about today. Today's episode is on a topic that I really wish was taught in school because it's such a critical component of understanding yourself and your needs, especially if you are a highly sensitive person. There are many people out in the world who have never heard of the term empath, and the concept is so foreign in our daily culture. But a huge percentage of people are highly sensitive empaths and don't even realize it. And even if you do know you are an empath, stick around, because I'm sure there are things we will talk about today that you probably didn't even connect as being a part of your abilities. And to kick us off, we're going into understanding clairsentience and how this is linked with psychic ability. Then we'll talk about the signs of being an empath. So you can think of this as the ultimate litmus test to determine if you are really an empath or if someone around you is.
1: Empaths are people who have really well-developed clairsentience abilities, and they may not even know what that means. So we're going to dive into clairsentience a bit. So what is clairsentience? It's one, a French word that means clear feeling. And you've probably heard of its more popular cousin, clairvoyance, which is clear seeing. So, clear-seeing or clairvoyance is the ability to connect with spirit through um, images or imagery seen in the mind's eye or with the physical eyes. In days of the past, those that had clairvoyant ability were known as seers. Well, seers are to clairvoyance in the same way that empaths are to clairsentience. It's a descriptor of somebody with a highly dominant intuitive skill. So clairsentience is a way of defining or identifying a specific pathway that certain extrasensory information can come to you, or in some cases work through you. In this case, it's through special receptors that are present within the auric field. So if you're familiar with brain chemistry and neurotransmitters, it's a lot like that. I think this is a great way to understand these receptors and what's happening. Why are empaths picking up on all of this information that some people aren't? So let's dive into this, just using this example of neurotransmitters. So you can have all kinds of great brain chemicals just floating around inside, but it isn't until that chemical actually lands on a receptor that That it communicates with the body, that it indicates a change or creates a shift in the chemistry of the body. So those with highly empathic skills have a lot of receptors and even extra receptors in their auric field to receive all of that information. And then this information is translated to the psychic layers of the auric field, which are connected with emotions and physical sensation. So this is why empaths have a lot of power potential when it comes to their emotions and also their physical bodies. But This understanding of thinking about receptors can also help you understand why lots of people can essentially swim around in tons of energy all day long and not have a really strong connection or awareness of what's happening around them. If they don't have the receptors, the energy isn't able to communicate to them. It's kind of like things being on a different frequency so that they don't have the immediate mechanics to receive. So if you think about, tones and a dog whistle, for example, not being able to hear it. In the case of an empath, this is a highly developed psychic skill. So psychic meaning that the information is coming to you through your energy field via the energy fields around you, like people and places.
0: So how do people get all of these extra receptors?
1: Yeah, a huge portion of empaths never set out to develop their skills. So where does it come from, right? It usually happens initially in childhood. So someone who's sensitive, it really, they're going to be identified for the most part is sensitive at a younger age, okay? And this is not all across the board. It's not possible to cover every single thing, but I will say for the most part, you'll see that sensitivity early on. And it usually happens in childhood because this is the time when we as beings are way more connected and reliant on our intuitive minds more so than our thinking minds. So we're super creative and we're used to asking lots of questions and tapping in and listening to higher channels. So it's really natural for children. So for some reason, and that reason can be really varied, that individual may have had questions about the emotions or the health of those around them. So either they were concerned about them, or they may have even felt a responsibility towards them. There could have been enmeshment in the relationship or a codependency, or on the other spectrum, they could have had someone or environments that weren't stable. So maybe they moved around a lot or had to depend on themselves a lot. Maybe there was a caretaker or someone they knew that was kind of volatile or that they didn't feel safe with. Sometimes that can happen in families where there's a lot of stress or perhaps there's some form of abuse or mental health problems like drug use or alcoholism, bipolar, depression, anxiety, lots of different factors, or perhaps they were in a place that just didn't feel safe to them or made them nervous. There are lots of different environments that can contribute to that development, right? Although I will say if you've had abuse anywhere in your past, you're likely to have developed empathic skills as an unconscious coping mechanism to really check the motives of those that are around you or to help you to discern people's true intent or to get out of the way if someone was in a bad mood. Either way, we've all heard ask and you shall receive, right? So when a child or someone starts asking more and more questions about someone's emotional state or physical state or environment's energy, and they're putting that energy out without asking it verbally, and do this consistently enough they'll start to adapt and develop these extra receptors to help perceive that information. So this is an unconscious process. The questioning isn't necessarily unconscious, but the development is really a response to that feeling that's being put out there. And so it's our our auric field and our sensitivity is in a fluid state. So it's just responding to... That child's not realizing they're asking for more psychic information and they need extra receptors for that to occur. So they're just trying to, you know, create safety and whatever that looks like or express concern by tapping into higher forces around what's going on, maybe to deal with their own anxiety or stress around the situations that are happening for them. But either way. It's that tuning their instrument, essentially, to those higher levels. You know, impasse, I mentioned there's this power potential that occurs with impasse with their physical power and their emotional power. And one of those ways is being a healer.
0: On a physical level, you can see how people develop things like that, like uh, competitive chess players, for instance. They get really good by practice and can predict what the – Their opponent is going to do, what move they're going to make. And sometimes it's a subconscious tell that the opponent is moving in a certain way and they do that certain move when they've given that tell. But what they're doing is they're training their ability to be able to read their opponent. And that comes after game after game of practice.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. I'd say in the early stages of impasse, and especially when it's in the unconscious state, because most people have to come across the information to realize like what to call this sensitivity. You know, it's symptoms that they've dealt with or things that they've experienced that not everybody does, and they know that, but what's the word? Usually it comes down to sensitivity. And so they have to kind of come into that place and then, oh, okay, well, now I can go to the next layer with that information. It kind of starts a lot of times feeling really jumbled, where that chess player probably initially is just, picking up on maybe the anxiety or the enthusiasm or like the increase in the tempo of the heart rate of that individual and are probably confusing it at times with their own emotions, their own feelings, and so forth. It's not till really you're developing your empathic skills or learning what it is, how it works, how to manage it, that you can move to those places of fine-tuning it because you start to understand your language at a deeper level. What I'd also say is you can also have universal specialists. So if you're a chess player, for example, professionally, you're going to have guides who are connected with that. If you are an artist, you're going to have guides who support you in that artistic creation. But you can definitely adapt your empathic skills to getting more and more specific information. We see that with people who have certain types of where you're blending medical intuitive and empath depending on how it's coming through and using that from a healer perspective, that's a really practical, tangible example of that.
0: So to dig in here a bit, let's get into the 11 indications of being an empath. This is not all of them, of course, but if you resonate to these 11 indications, my apologies to Jeff Foxworthy here, you might be an empath. Number one, you find emotional outbursts or strong emotional intensity that can be overwhelming, even painful to some points. It's a complete overstimulation and just overwhelms your ability to process all that's happening around you.
1: Number two, you have a deep sensitivity for the suffering of others. So animal welfare or maybe being involved in advocacy or a desire for that, watching the news and... Even hearing tragic stories really can sit with you and sit with you for a long time. It's as if you can feel the pain of other people, as if you're experiencing it really directly, because those receptors are connected with your own psychic influences and connection with your own emotions and your own body. So you may not be able to tell the difference and you may cry frequently with others or even if you're watching commercials.
0: Number three, you may have a special connection with animals or plants or crystals and those that are nonverbal.
1: And I just want to expand on that a little bit. So people who are empaths really have this ability to connect on a purely energetic level, even at a telepathic level at times with Animals, plants, other beings, and may feel really drawn to working with special needs or those that kind of have difficulties communicating, feeling the desire to support or help them because you're understanding what's happening underneath or have this innate understanding of perhaps what they're trying to communicate and feel more connected with that, with the desire to help. So being very insightful in those situations, but With animal people and plant people, if you've ever noticed that some people who are really connected with animals and some who are really connected with plants can be a little antisocial at times, and some of that can be because they feel more of a sense of trust with that really authentic beingness of animals and plants and that they can... Be grounded with them, that they know what to expect with them, and and people maybe not so much. So they might be a little more guarded with people, but very, very open to those things that do help them to feel safe without as much unpredictability, perhaps. So number four. You seek genuine, authentic connection. So you'll prefer to keep friends that what you see is what you get, <laughs> that they're not going to say one thing and really mean another. And you'll like that with teachers or other people around you too, because that brings up all this extra energy for empaths. And the simplicity of authenticity is really clear for them. And it's almost a relief to know what, They're saying you know you can trust that that's also what they're meaning because you're feeling their response and feeling the truth of that through your own channels. So being able to relax with those people and have that trust is really important, which comes from someone who can be a little bit more direct or a little bit more open and someone who's honest and authentic.
0: If you get overloaded in public places, you might be an empath. You pick up on the pain or emotions of others, and it can get chaotic for you because you're sampling from so many people all around you. If you've ever been in a mall or at a maybe a fairgrounds or a concert where there's hundreds of thousands or thousands of people all around you, and it just becomes overwhelming, and that's a good sign that you're probably an empath.
1: Well, one way you can tell, too, is if before you walk into Walmart, you're feeling good upbeat and positive you go into walmart you might feel a little almost disoriented or a little like you're not thinking as clearly okay because what's happening is you're also getting overstimulated without maybe realizing it then when you leave you just feel kind of out of sorts or stressed or overloaded maybe a little bit on the anxious side or irritated side and nothing really changed other than you walking into that space and that environment.
0: That happens for me at IKEA, but for an entirely different reason.
1: <laughs> so, number six, you're very generous of heart and incredibly accepting and generally non judgmental and appreciative of transparency. So, those with really highly developed empathy and the ability to relate to others give you so much more acceptance and big heart energy. And depending on your experiences, whether that was nurtured within you, or whether you had experiences where it wasn't appreciated or was used against you in some way, you may actually guard that a little bit more if you're not feeling safe with it, or some people even isolate a bit. But there's this beautiful sense of non-judgment, of love for all, of a sense of desire for unity and also not really understanding why people are so harsh with each other or why others are non-accepting. That's, it's like a paradigm or a frequency that's difficult for you to understand because you're seeing the unity and the similarities between all people and that ultimately things can be relatable, one sense or another.
0: Number seven, you have to work to not be the people pleaser. And you have to learn to really differentiate your own ideas from other people's ideas. A common theme is having to work on boundaries, learning how to receive and learning how to represent your own viewpoints.
1: Number eight, sensitivity to touch. This is a big one. This can bring like overload because those with this ability really have that tendency to, you know, pick up things on the physical level and that emotion of someone, even if, you know, they're not in an irritated state, this residue of whatever they've been experiencing can get transferred. But later that can be channeled in a way of actually using that same skill to pick up really specific psychic details. So it has this blessing element to it that's beautiful. So with empaths, guarding almost that touch can be a coping mechanism for them or for you. So you may feel like violated or invaded if someone hugs or touches you without permission, or especially if it's someone that you don't have a really strong trust or intimate relationship with. So watching people's sensitivity towards touch. On the beautiful end, is touch for an empath can be incredibly healing. It can be really nurturing when it's done with someone that you have a lot of intimacy built up with and a lot of trust. So trust is really the key factor. And especially if there's harmony within the two of you, it allows for some pretty amazing and beautiful healing that can occur through touch.
0: So number nine is if you are highly sensitive to environments, So you might get overwhelmed by something like clutter, or you might even shut down or go on guard for yourself if the energy around you doesn't feel right. You might even try to control this by becoming a designer or a decorator or gaining a skill in organization or studying something like feng shui to help adjust the energy to make it feel more uplifting and inviting for you.
1: Number 10. You're highly artistic and creative, very sensitive to beauty, And really appreciate having that around. So you might appreciate having art or collect art or create it either as fine art or maybe you make graphics or have a certain design sensibility that your friends or family really recognize within you or maybe you're just a really unique and inventive problem solver. All that internal going on within (laughs) that's a coping skill of people with this empathic ability can pay off with really inventive, out-of-the-box thinkers. So this is important to know, especially if you're a parent of someone who is an empathic child, that really you want to encourage that beauty and inspiration around them, but also know that the way they're going to look at things can really be interesting and exciting and ask more questions so you can see that part of them come out.
0: And number 11, and the ways that you might be an empath, is if you are an excellent judge of character... Most empaths are really good judges of character because they trust their instincts. They have a feeling about what a person's intentions are when they're around people. They can read through people's energy to know when they're being honest or if they're being fake or if there's just something off about that person.
1: Yeah, it's so important to trust your instincts because and trust the empaths that are around you. If you aren't empathic, but you know someone who is, And they're telling you something is really off. Listen, because they're never going to be wrong. There's always something that comes out or comes out later. And it's just very important to honor that that's a gift that they have developed to a very high level. And they can tell if someone is being honest and if somebody is really acting from a positive place. So just to wrap everything up, when you really understand your empathic abilities, you can really begin to understand your needs on a deeper level. And a major, major theme with those with this skill set is self-care and also learning to really extend that same love and value that you have for other people to yourself. So remember that harmony in relationships and environments is super important to you because those that are around you will have such a big impact on you and how you feel. So it's really important that you feel safe with them, that you can trust them at their core, that you guys have similar goals or are moving in the same direction because that's going to help you have a lot more momentum. Otherwise, you're going to feel drained. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you are an empath or know someone who is, make sure you subscribe. We have some helpful episodes coming up just for you and share this episode with those friends that you recognize as sensitive, that maybe need to understand this more about themselves or with others that you wish would understand you just a little bit more. We hope that you'll just take a minute, give us a review, give us some feedback wherever you're listening today. You can also join our mailing list and reach out at Medium.com forward slash podcast. Many blessings.
0: The Modern Life and Spirit podcast is for informational purposes only. The information provided is not intended to provide medical, psychological, legal, or financial advice. The information provided is not to diagnose or treat any medical or psychological illness. To read the full disclaimer, see SedonaMedium.com.